0: Well, praise God! It's uh, great to have our own 24/7 place for the first time in 33 years, and uh, and so, Lord is the Lord is good, and um, you know God is good, and He's faithful, and and through His power, you know we've been faithful as a church, and so this is a, a blessing and a half, and I just am so appreciative and. Uh, Pat and Aquila pretty much lived here for the past month or so, getting things ready, and and there's so many others. And Kai just really stepped up to the plate, and, and so many others came in and helped out, and the McCarthys and others. And I just just we're just so grateful, and um, and so you get a chance to just you know thank those who you know really put in that time. I know I didn't get that much opportunity to to get here, and fix things up. But God is good, and um, he's blessed us, and we, we've got to continue to be faithful. Uh, just a couple things I want to mention before we open in prayer. Um, the, uh, that Wednesday night meeting at the Grinstaff, so Bible study guys, remember the Bible studies canceled this week, but it's going to be 7 p.m. And um, if you'd like to find out about just what's going on in the world, there's just so many things coming down that I don't have the time to talk about from the pulpit and uh, so if you want to find out what's going on in the world the move towards globalism the, really the taking over of America from within and uh, the attack on Christianity um, this, uh, this monthly meeting be a good thing to, uh, to attend and we'll probably eventually move it to the church but that's something we'll, we'll talk about and, and, uh, and figure out but that's this Wednesday 7 p.m. at the Grinstads house and um, and also too, Tom Hoyle, Doctor Tom Hoyle is going to be here next Sunday, so he's going to preach the morning service, and uh, and then he's going to preach uh, Sunday evening at six p.m. So if you want to come and check that out, we'd really appreciate that. We love we always have a, such a good time with with uh, Doctor Tom Hoyle. He's kind of like one of our family. We get to see him about you know twice a year, and uh, so it's a real blessing and have half. So hope to see you. There. So now if you open up to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 23 to 25, and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. For those who are visitors, we we passionately pray that God anoints whoever's preaching the word through the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the word. Because the last thing we want to do is, uh, is twist God's word and deceive people. So... Um, So as you turn into Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, Lord, we we are so grateful. We're grateful that you sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins, and that you raised him from the dead to conquer death for us. We're grateful, Lord, that he's going to come back someday and reign upon the earth and make things right on the planet Earth. We also thank you that you've sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to fill us and to lead us and to encourage us and empower us to do those things you called us to do. And of course, Lord, we're thankful that, uh, that you've blessed us not only with salvation, you've blessed us each and every day with opportunities to serve you and you, you give us the strength that we need to be all that you called us to be. And, of course, we thank you, Lord, for this building. Please remind us, Lord, that we are the church, that uh, it is the, the believers that form the universal church, all true believers in Jesus, and a local church is made up of believers that gather in your name. So remind us, Lord, that, uh, that this building is just an instrument through which you can be proclaimed. And so I pray, Lord, that we would never, ever lose sight of that, that we've never been tempted uh, by the beauty uh, of our facilities. And now after 33 years of being a church family, now we have that beautiful building. So do not allow the evil one to cause that to be a stumbling block for us. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here today. I pray that you bless them. But I know, Lord, we understand they came to hear the word of God. They did not come here to, he, to hear the uh, faulty wisdom of man. And so I pray, Lord, that you would cancel the man, that you would anoint me with your spirit and empower me, fill me with your spirit so that I would proclaim your truth and that I would not lead anyone astray. Encourage everyone here to test everything they hear from this pulpit and everywhere else to test it with your word, for your word is the final authority. And I pray, Lord, that your Spirit would empower us to apply the truths that we learn and to understand the truths, but to apply them as well so that we would be pleasing in your sight through the power of the Holy Spirit and that um, we would be all that you called us to be until that day when your Son, the Lord Jesus, takes his stand upon the earth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, I titled. Uh, today's message, we are the church. We are the church. And uh, now, a brief introduction, uh, I gave a series of sermons on the biblical doctrine of the church, what the church is, why Jesus instituted the church, uh, what our job, what the job of the church is, and things of that sort. A few months ago, I preached on it because, well, a few months ago, so a little over a year, but a year and a half ago, when they shut down the churches, remember they shut them down for 15 days? Then they said, we got to flatten the curve. You know, we're like, what? what is up? And it just kept going on and on indefinitely. Then there were all kinds of riots, and they said, well, that, that's okay. They don't have to social distance. Their message is real important. It's this far-left message. And it's like, what in the world is going on? And then we had to start secretly meeting in the homes, and then eventually we're able to meet again. So... I felt uh, that God was, was calling me to preach on the church, the biblical doctrine of the church, because of the COVID shutdown. Because as we were separated and we weren't able to gather, we needed to learn, well, what is the church? And that we needed to stay together. And as you know, a lot of bad can be said about the internet, but that's how we stayed together. That's how we kept in contact for a while. And uh, you know, now with our own building you know, uh, the government can decide what it wants to decide, and we'll, we'll pray about it, and we'll decide what we need to do. Um, but um, last I heard, Christ is the head of the church, Amen. not Joe Biden, not Bill Gates, but the crucified and risen Savior. He is the head of the church, and so we will take our orders from him. And um, so I preached on it during COVID when we were separated. Well, now I feel feel that God's calling me again to preach on the church because we're assembling, but we got this new building. And so I think we need another healthy reminder because this building right here, there's no in-between. It's going to either be a tremendous blessing from God or it's going to be a curse, okay? We once thought about merging, well, numerous times we thought about merging with other churches that had a building but needing, needed a pastor, and there was one church, the deciding factor for me real early on in the negotiations was the pastor said, don't, don't condemn, you know, homosexuality or abortion or this or that, and I said, well, what do you, why not? What are you talking about? i got to preach the word of God, And he said, well, we got some members. Their grandparents built the church. Their parents, the church building. Their parents grew up in the church building. They grew up in the church building. So basically these people were not even Christians anymore. They were doctrinally and morally opposed to the teachings of God's word, but they still came to the building because they thought the building was the church this building is not the church. For better or for worse, we are the church. We are the church. And you might look around and think, you know, man, that guy over there is part of the church. He gets on my nerves. Well, you probably get on his nerves too. You know? (laughs) So, um, so, you know, this is just, you know, Jesus, he's the perfect head of the church. The rest of us, we got issues, okay? But the world will know that we're his disciples when they see our love for one another despite our, our issues. Now, so this could be a blessing or a curse. If, this, if we view this as an instrument, a tool that can be used to serve God and to build his kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory, then this is going to be a tremendous blessing, okay? Okay? But if we get to the point where, oh, you know, this is our church and this is our building, and oh, we don't want new people coming in, this is our turf and this and that, and, um, and we start coming here, well, the, the sermons aren't, I'm really not being fed by the sermons and the praise and worship, but I really like the building, then this is going to be the biggest curse in the history of Trinity Bible Fellowship. Okay? What changed? Our location changed. And now we've got a 24-7 place. We can really be a community church. We can have Bible studies here and and uh, ladies' Bible studies, men's Bible studies, uh, prayer breakfasts, things of that sort. Okay? But it's got to all be for the glory of our king. Okay? And, um, you know, there were, there were times, there were pastors, there were friends that I had that always kind of looked down on us cuz we didn't have a building okay and now maybe some of them will start respecting us and all and isn't that that's their problem okay cuz last I remember 33 years ago Trinity Bible Fellowship was still preaching Jesus mm-hmm. and now we got a nice building with nice chairs Amen. okay <laughs> believe me the, the nice chairs cost more than the than the ones I was looking at Okay? Um, there's some decisions you don't want Pastor Phil to make. Okay? Um, but, um, you know, a lot of things change. There's no more basketball nets behind us and stuff. Okay? A lot of things change, but some things remain the same. And We've gone a third of a century preaching Jesus. <laughs> and I want to go another third of a century preaching Jesus. And then i probably have to pass off the baton to some young punk. Um, but uh, but uh, we want to preach Jesus till he comes back. He comes back in a few years. We want to be preaching Jesus. He didn't come back for a few centuries. We want Trinity Bible Fellowship to be preaching Jesus. So 33 years of Trinity Bible Fellowship. We never had our, our own 24-7 building. Um, myself, my wife Kathy... And C's couldn't be here because she's going to go for surgery. She had to be tested, and you got a quarantine for ten days. And uh, but we got right above Juan's head back there. That's Juan. Wave Juan. There's Juan. <laughs> right above his head is a list of all the different places that Trinity Bible Fellowship met, go, going back to 1986, where we were just a Bible study in Cease's house for a year. Then to Tamarick. Then we moved to the Super Eight Motel. We thought we. Arrived because it seated 34 people, even though we only had, had about a dozen at that time. And, um, but uh, uh, Leanne went on to be with the Lord. Uh, my daughter no longer comes to the church, but Kathy and Cease and myself were the three of the founding members. That's faithfulness. We serve a God who is good. We serve a God who is faithful. And, uh, but through the power of God, we can be faithful. We can be faithful, and you know, the young guys who want to get in the ministry always ask me advice. How do you do it? I don't know any secret formulas, and, you know, and the wisdom of man or whatever. All I know is just be faithful, day by day, and persevere throughout the decades. I don't know how many people here know Jim Nardo. Every time I bump into that dude, it's kind of, kind of a character godly character, but when I bump into him, man, it's just like through the decades, he's faithful, and he perseveres, and so that's what we want uh, for ourselves, well, now we got a 24-7 building, we can be more of a community, but the word church, ekklesia in the Greek, it means a called-out assembly, so it's it's an assembly or a fellowship, that's why I decided to call us Trinity Bible Fellowship. Because if I called us Trinity Bible Church, people might think it's a building. Okay? And uh, nothing wrong, by the way, with the word church. It's just that we, we always incorrectly define it. You know, we think church is a building. Church is not the building. Okay? Uh, and that was easy for us to see for 33 years. Now it's not going to be so, hard, so easy to see. Okay? Um, the church is not a building. Though a building can help us to serve the Lord, it's not a building or a denomination. It's an assembly, a called-out assembly. Those who have been set apart, that's what saint means, set-apart one. We've been set apart from the world to gather in Jesus' name and and to worship um, the Lord Jesus. And so we are a called-out assembly. The church is the body of Christ, all true believers. That's the universal church. But God calls us to assemble regularly in local churches. Okay? So just as the, the universal church is the body of Christ, even a local church is the body of Christ. That's why you might have different gifts, different spiritual gifts than I have. You know, we're a body. What good would a body be if it was all elbows? Okay? So we got different different gifts. But look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Here were some Jewish believers that because of persecution, they were thinking of forsaking Christianity, leaving the Lord, leaving Christian fellowship. And um, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, the author of Hebrews says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. Through his power, we need to be faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We're supposed to encourage each other to be all that God called us to be. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so um, we are to assemble regularly, this is what the local church is. God has called us to assemble on a regular basis. You get a lot of, you know, a lot of people say, well, I love Jesus, and I love God's word, but I don't go to church. There are a bunch of hypocrites in church, okay? That's like saying, um, I don't go to the hospital because there's a bunch of sick people there, okay? <laughs> uh, are there hypocrites in the church? Yeah, we're, we're all hypocritical to one degree or another. Jesus is still working on us, um, but... Jesus made it clear the world will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another. John tells us, 1 John 4, 20 and 21, how can you say you love God that you who you can't see if you don't love your brother who you can see? So you want to prove to me that you love Jesus? Show me you love Jesus' people. Okay? and um, And so, but we're to regularly... Assemble in local churches. And so what we need to do, we need to recognize we are the church, so we must dedicate this building to the Lord's service. Okay? Um, And that means inward growth. At the very least, we all need to spiritually grow, to spiritually mature. Okay? Uh, But that also means outreach. And, you know, when you lead your neighbor to Christ and stuff, you might think, you know what, this guy's not going to like our church or he's not going to like Pastor Phil. Well, good, just get him plugged into another solid Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. They don't have to come here. Hopefully some of your friends will want to come here. Uh, there are an awful lot of ministries that are going on in this church outside the four walls of this building. We want those to continue. Okay? Okay. We're going to start having other services as time goes on, adding maybe a Wednesday evening service and maybe a Sunday evening service and things of that sort. That does not mean you're required to come to every one of them. It just means you have that opportunity. Okay, um, Will's got a, uh, a Bible study with guys from different churches. We want that to keep going. That they just have in their homes and stuff. Keep it going. Uh, Pastor Willis and 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 Don vidito have the Tremendous ministry outreach to, to to homeless people and others. Keep it going. Keep it going. Okay, and uh, this is our hub. This is where we come together as a family. This is where we equip you for service. But you need to go out and get it out. You got to get it out. You can't. Was an old Cat Stevens song "Can't Keep It In"? Got to let it out. Okay. Of course, he was singing about different stuff. Okay do that issues but um, we got to preach Jesus we don't we don't put a lid on the gospel okay and uh, we don't look down on others everybody you bump into today doesn't deserve to go to heaven but neither do you and neither do I so, so we preach Jesus And um, now I want to show you the church was Jesus' idea that's the universal church, but it's also the local church. Uh, look at Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 to 19. I preached an entire message on this passage. You might want to go to Sermon Audio and, and, and look it up. And it probably goes back to uh, probably March of 2000. Um, but Matthew um, chapter 16, verses 13 to 19. So, you know, if you don't like the idea of the local church, um, you, you, got, you don't have problems with me. You got problems with, with Jesus. It was Jesus' idea, okay? And, um, you know, Ecclesia called out assembly. How could we be in an assembly if we never assemble, okay? Now, there's exceptions. God might call you to be a missionary in a faraway land, and it might take, might take 10 years to lead somebody else to Christ before you can start building a church, or you might be in prison for preaching the gospel in solitary confinement. Uh, or you might not be healthy enough to assemble with, with others, and maybe the uh, Christian brethren have to just visit you. Um, but this is Jesus' idea. Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, it's interesting that he went to Caesarea Philippi. This is He didn't go to the temple. The beautiful building, the temple. Jesus didn't go to one of the beautiful synagogues throughout Israel. He went to the barren, rocky wilderness to make this proclamation of his church. So just keep that in mind. It's a blessing that we can meet in a beautiful building. Um, The King Jesus can do his work. I mean, we saw he could do his work in old, smelly gymnasiums, in old, beat-up grange halls, in a little, tiny conference room, a Super 8... Motel, okay? Jesus can also do his work in the wilderness, okay? There's a reason why he went to Caesarea Philippi. You know, when that, when we went there to Israel and our guide took us to Caesarea Philippi, um, I'm really glad he took us during the day because that's a scary place, man. It's just like it's all barren and all and it's jagged, cliffy rocks. It's at the base of Mount Hermon, and uh, you see this pool of still eerie-looking water that leads into a cave, and I don't even know if they know how deep it is. They didn't, Josephus' time, during the time of Christ, they didn't know how deep it was. And, but you go into this cave, and they believe that that was the gateway to Hades, the ancient pagans who worshipped the false god, Pan. That's where we got the horns for Satan, and the spiked tail, and, and the, the goat, and all that stuff was from the false god, Pan. But he was supposed to be the God uh, of the of the underworld, of the of the netherworld, of the hereafter. Okay? Jesus went, and then, by the way, this is at the base of Mount Hermon, and according to the book of Enoch, a book not in the Bible, but held in high regard by ancient Jews and ancient Christians, that's where this, the Beneha Elohim, the sons of God, came down uh, and took on bodily form. They came to Mount Hermon, and then they cohabited with female humans and produced a demonic race of giants, the Nephilim. Genesis chapter 6 talks about that. Peter and Jude in the New Testament talk about that as well. So Jesus basically went to the most demonic place he could go, probably not just around the land of Israel, but anywhere on the planet Earth. He pretty much went to Satan's backyard. The early church pretty much equated Pan, the false god Pan, with Satan himself, the, that high-ranking fallen angel um, who fell. And uh, so Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi to make this pronouncement. Let me tell you something. Christians and you know, churches are made up of some of the nicest people on the planet Earth, and it should be that way. But never, ever forget... You're called to be a warrior, and it doesn't—you know—it doesn't look like we're warriors. You know, if they ever outlaw Christianity? The Gestapo comes busting down your door, and you're an elderly guy or an elderly gal. Uh, sure, you sure don't look tough, but when you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling you, the power of God, you have been called into this cosmic war. And so Jesus declared war by asking this question, who do men say that I am? He went to the headquarters um, of Satan. Verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, because the last two verses of the Old Testament predict Elijah's going to come back in the last days. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, he said to, to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, that means the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, that means a little rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, we don't have time to really break that down, but, but look at Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we're preaching through Ephesians uh, right now. We're just taking a little break from it, but in the, the book of Ephesians is all about the church. You can come up with a really solid, thorough uh, biblical doctrine of what the church is just by studying the book of Ephesians. Okay? And um, so if, if Peter, if Jesus said, Peter, you are rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, you know, some people might get the wrong idea about Peter. Nowhere is Jesus saying that Peter is infallible so we disagree with our Roman Catholic friends, okay? Uh, but there are other passages listed in your notes, we don't have time to look at them, which say that that whole power to bind and loose, okay, uh, that's a power given to all the apostles. And I'm of the school of thought that eventually it's, it's, it's a power that goes to the whole church. We have the power to preach the gospel so that those who accept the gospel, their sins are forgiven, those who reject the gospel, their sins remain. But I want to show you that Peter is not like the sole foundation of the church. Ephesians two nineteen and 20. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. So we, we, pay, we Gentiles are no longer strangers, but now we're fellow citizens with the saints, with the Jews, and members of the household of God. So the church is made up of Jew and Gentile having been built on the foundation of Peter? No, of the apostles and prophets, the New Testament prophets who God used to write the New Testament and prophesy the doctrine that came into the New Testament, the foundation of the church, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so Jesus is the most important Aspect of the foundation of that church, but the apostles and the prophets form that foundation, and that's why a true church, a true assembly, is always going to be built on the Word of God, because not only do we have the teachings of the apostles and the New Testament prophets in the New Testament, but they also taught us that the Old Testament really is the the inherent, infallible Word of God, totally true. Word of God. So when we pick up the 66 books of the Bible, this is uh, the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. And so uh, uh, a, a true church is going to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Okay? And, um, and so, uh, but the church was Jesus' idea. You could look at the further passages that are listed there. Um, uh, which tell us that the early church chose to gather on what they called the Lord's Day. They chose to gather on Sundays. Now, why did the ancient Jews gather and rest on the Sabbath day? Because God created the universe in six days and rested on the seventh day. Okay? Um, So, for ancient Jews, the early church was Jewish, for ancient Jews to change the primary day of worship from Saturday to Sunday, an event as big or bigger than the creation event had to occur. Jesus bodily rose from the dead on Sunday, and most, if not all, of his post-resurrection appearances were on Sundays. They got the memo. Okay? And um, so they chose to gather. So we choose to gather on Sunday. Now... Suppose, you know, I have another job. I teach at a Christian high school, okay? But suppose my other job was still law enforcement like years ago, and suppose I, I worked on Sundays. If the church took a vote and decided, well, then let's just meet on Monday nights, I think God would be okay with that. But when you have Sunday available, let's celebrate the resurrection. By the way, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades are not going to prevail against the church, when did Jesus knock down the gates of Hades? When did Jesus defeat death? That's when he rose from the dead. And we learn from Ephesians in weeks gone by that the same power it took for God the Father to raise Jesus from the dead, that's the kind of power that's at work in you and in me. But remember, Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi to declare war. We're uh, we're enlisted. We've been recruited into this uh, cosmic battle, the Satan and his uh, demons in battle um, against God, the Lord God and his holy angels, and we've been enlisted into this battle. But the early church chose to gather on Sundays. We've got the verses listed there, Acts 20, verse 7. Revelation 1, verses 9 and 10, they were already calling it the Lord's Day. The early church fathers told us that that's what the Lord's Day was, the first day of the week, and 1 Corinthians 16, too. Um, so the church was Jesus' idea, and the early church chose to gather on Sundays. And the church, what purpose is it for? It's to equip the saints for service. Look at Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, talking about Jesus... And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, they're people who lead people to Christ, and some pastors and teachers. It's like pastor-teachers are pretty much hyphenated. And um, what for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay? so uh, So Jesus gave some to be apostles and prophets. That forms the foundation of the church. We have their teachings, apostolic doctrine and the word of God. And then God gives the church evangelists to lead people to Christ and then pastor teachers to help disciple them. But the whole purpose here is not to do the work of ministry, but to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It was amazing. It was a blessing and a half, with with my crazy schedule and my inability to to um, be fruitful in any way in manual labor. It was just a blessing to see our people at work, getting this place ready. Okay, and um, and if I'm doing my job well enough, not only discipling the flock but discipling the other pastors, you know. I could I could die or get arrested for preaching the gospel, and the work of Trinity Bible Fellowship would continue, and um, and so we're to equip the saints for service. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the service of Trinity Bible Fellowship should be done by you. Okay, um, you know NFL football, a coach could teach his players. A whole lot of cool stuff and this and that. They still got to go out and win the game. When's the last time you saw Pete Carroll make a tackle? Okay? And, um, and sometimes I think, sometimes coaches think too much. I think the Seahawks lost their second Su- Super Bowl ring. It was right there. I told my wife, I'm not even a Seahawks fan. I said, hey, honey, um, she was in another room. Uh, they're on the two-yard line. I so said, they're going to hand off, they're going to give Marshawn the ball once, maybe twice, and get another ring. And then Russell Wilson doesn't even fake a handoff, goes back to pass and throws an interception. Season over. And I, I'm thinking, what it, Pete Carroll was thinking, he was thinking but Belichick was in his head winning all those Super Bowls. He knows we're going to run, so let me do something different. Let me tell you, one thing a coach can't do one thing Belichick can't do, he can't tackle Marshawn Lynch. Okay, so stop thinking. Just you rode you rode yourself into the Super Bowl, and that guy's back. Just give him the ball. Okay, and um, but the fact of the matter, coaches have to realize all you all a coach can do. You know what a great coach can do? Get a hundred percent out of his players. But the coaches don't win games. Coaches can lose games. But if they win, the players got to win it. And it's the same with the church. We can equip you for service, but you got to do that service. You got to be all that God's called you to be. The most powerful stuff that goes on for God's kingdom is not what's being done right here. It's in the middle of the week when you're discipling that one friend. Witnessing to that one friend. Or you're bringing your children up. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay? Or um, when you're sharing food with someone uh, who needs food. So the church is to equip the saints for service. Well, what is our service? What is our mission? Look at Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Verses 18 to 20. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all, not some, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So when we go, we go in Jesus' authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus has all the authority and he's with us. He hasn't left us uh, alone. But our mission is to go make disciples. A disciple is a a follower of Christ, a pupil of Christ, you want to make people disciples so that they can go out and make disciples. So leading people to Christ, that's just the beginning. You've got to sometimes plant seed, love on people, eventually lead them to Christ, and you're just getting started. It's like a newborn baby. Now you've got to disciple them. Okay, um, The word discipline comes from discipleship. If you're not disciplined in your walk with Jesus... How are you gonna please King Jesus? We're warriors. We may not know we're warriors. We may not feel like warriors, but we're warriors, and warriors need to be disciplined. Okay, and um, but we're to go make disciples and then baptize people in the name of the Triune God. Once we get that baptismal we'll figured out, we've got a couple couple people that already want to get baptized, and. Um, So you profess faith in Jesus, you're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, trusting in the true Jesus of the Bible alone for salvation, then you need to publicly announce that through water baptism where we can baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We don't baptize you, by the way, in the name of Trinity Bible Fellowship. We'll give you a nice certificate that says that we did the baptism. You could put it on the wall or just file it somewhere where you could show people. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, we baptize people in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is not the tower, this is a nice building, this is not the Tower of Babel. We're not trying to make our own name great. If, If this building makes Trinity Bible Fellowship's name great, It's a curse. But if it exalts the name of the crucified, risen Savior, then it's a blessing. Um, So we're to go, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them God's word. Okay? And um, uh, also Acts chapter 1. The last uh, couple passages we'll be looking at from the book of Acts, which records the history of the early church. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Here, Jesus, he's, it's after he rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples numerous times. Now he's uh, about to ascend into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. And being assembled together, why would they assemble together? Because that's what the church does. We're called out assembly. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Remember John 14, the night he was betrayed, 14, 15, and 16? He predicted that the promise, the spirit of promise would come. The Holy Spirit would fall upon the church and empower the church. Uh, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And sure enough, 10 days later, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I believe the day will come when Jesus will return and the kingdom of God will come to earth and Jesus will reign over the, he'll shepherd the nations with an iron rod, he'll reign over the world from Jerusalem. That will be the capital, his capital. Verse seven, and he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. It's not our job to pick dates. Okay, what is our job then? But you shall receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay? So what is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to go, make disciples, baptize in the name of the triune God, and then to teach God's word to people. That is the mission of of the church, now, and we're to be Jesus' witnesses throughout the world. Now, um, how you fit in, where you fit in, what spiritual gifts you have, you know, it's going to be different, okay? But you've got to be all that God called you to be. I'm not into handing out, like, a, a 20-page psychological exam. Some churches will do that, and you do this multiple-choice thing, and then they come back and tell you whether you have the gift of prophecy or the gift of the word of wisdom or whether you're a teacher or whatever. No, I I just say, look, just just be filled with the Spirit. Start each day in prayer, devotional study of God's word, obey God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit, share Jesus with others, and as as it becomes natural to walk in the supernatural, as the Holy Spirit indwells you, you just talk to your friends, ask your friends, fellow believers, what gifts they think you have. So, in other words, I think you end up ministering before you find out what ministry you have. You end, you start serving, and then you find out what service you're you're involved with. Um, uh, so, how you fit into that? It might be it might be fixing somebody's car, just sharing the love of Jesus with them. Okay, your gifts are going to be different from my gifts. And, um, you know, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 list the different spiritual gifts. And so look look over those. Um, But we're to go, we're not not to say, you know, Lord, you know, unless you're physically disabled, you you don't say, Lord, I'm just going to sit down, send people to me. No, you'd be really to get up and go and, um, and make disciples and baptize and teach. And in our culture, our culture is so far away from the Lord, you might have to spend six months just loving on somebody, a coworker, buying them a cup of coffee, just asking them about how they're doing, maybe even talking sports with them or something. I don't know. Um, but it might take six months actually to earn the right to be heard. You know, I mean, you read like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus just walked alongside them and started talking theology with them. Try that in downtown Seattle. (laughs) Two guys are walking around, and you just run up alongside and start talking theology. Okay? Our culture is a lot different than that culture was. It was so far, you know, it, it was like that old... Movie, you you can't handle the truth, man. We got to spoon feed people the truth. We got to speak the truth in love. It might take three or four months of love before we can even get a little bit of the truth out. Okay, Um, but that that's our mission—to go make disciples, baptize, and teach, and be Jesus' witnesses throughout the world. Now, when did the church start? I agree with those theologians that it started in Acts chapter two. Because Jesus told the apostles, wait in Jerusalem till the promise of the Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after Passover, Jesus was crucified on the Passover. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is when um, the Lord Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to baptize, to immerse the church in the power of the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I don't feel like I have the Holy Spirit's power. Well, if you're a believer, God says the Holy Spirit indwells you and empowers you. So if you don't see that power unleashed in your life, um, you're either not real observant or you're not real obedient. you guys got to say, Lord, if the, if the Holy Spirit wants to work through my life, am I stifling that? Okay? The old you is dead. It's the new you, a new creation in Christ. And now the Holy Spirit empowers you. And so that's when uh, the church began 2,000 years ago. And so what I want to close with is looking at the characteristics of a healthy church. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 47. The early church was filled with the Spirit. Now, they weren't always filled with the Spirit. Okay, now and keep in mind, all true believers, from the moment you get saved, from the moment you get born again, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit but not all believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. The difference isn't that you get more of him. It's he gets more of you. So being indwelt by the Holy Spirit is like you're driving the car and the Holy Spirit's in your car. He's in the passenger side seat. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, you move to the passenger side seat and now the Holy Spirit's doing the driving. Who's doing the driving in your life right now? Who's doing the driving in my life? Let me, let me say this. We will be more tempted, not less, a lot of benefits to having our own nice building, but we will be more tempted to do things in our own strength now that we have a nice building uh, than before. Because before, let's face it, the last place we were in. If it was 110 degrees outside, you know this from a couple weeks ago. It's probably 115 degrees inside. Okay, and in the cold, if it's 20 degrees outside, it's 10 degrees in that building. An old 1950s basketball gym. Okay, we couldn't put confidence in our building. We didn't walk around downtown and say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to Trinity Bio Fellowship. You should see our facilities. Okay.
1: We would invite
0: people to our church, and then when they'd show up, we'd get nervous. Oh, I forgot to tell them what it looks like, okay? So now the temptation is like, we might think, oh, we arrived, man. We're, we're meeting in, we're not meeting in a school. We've got our own building now, and this and that and all. Now that we've got to rely on the Lord's power, okay? Hey, you know, God doesn't want us... To move, that Satan doesn't want us to move to higher ground. But when we do, when we're faithful and we do, then Satan will try to build pride in us because of it. Okay? We're the same church, the same people that we were last week. Meaning in that old beat up gym. We're the same people. We're not special. We're the same people. Good news is we serve the same God that we served last week. And he is good and he is powerful and he is faithful and he is loving. So we want to have the characteristics of a healthy church. Acts chapter 2. So again, the main idea here, we are the church. The church is the people, not the building. At the same time, what are the characteristics of a healthy church? Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 47. Then Peter said to them, Repent. That means turn from your sin and turn to God. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the teachings of the apostles, that's God's word, uh, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, uh, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You know, Paul said, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. At the very least, a church, you should see the power of God to save and to transform lives. If we're the same rotten people we were before we came to Jesus, then the power of God is not being unleashed in our lives. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So here's just some characteristics of a healthy church, evangelism. They were leading people to Christ. Are we leading people to Christ? Are we talking with people about Jesus? Um, We've got these little... Gospel diagrams. I invented the gospel diagram to share the gospel with kindergartners, and then I found out it works on high schoolers. When I started teaching on the high school level, and the gospel diagram, 10 gospel truths, threefold response. You know, we can give you training so you become an expert in sharing the gospel diagram with other people. You don't have to share the gospel, that way, you could share it in your own, own way. There's Romans Road. To salvation, but we have got to preach Jesus. If we don't preach Jesus, who would expect the atheist to preach Jesus? Okay. When God saved you, why didn't He just take you right to heaven? Because He left you behind to do what? To preach Jesus. And some of us are loud and obnoxious, and we preach Jesus with our words. Others we pre- we preach Jesus just through loving on people. And you never deny Christ, and people know, okay, that guy's a Christian. And If they know you're a Christian, you love on people, they're going to give the glory to the Lord. But evangelism. And then when you lead people to Christ, you've got to baptize converts. A lot of people say, well, do I have to be baptized to get saved? No, the Bible doesn't teach that. So people think, okay, good, then I'm not going to get baptized. You're claiming to be a follower of Jesus and the very first thing you're going to do in your walk with the Lord is disobey him? Okay? Jesus commanded you, if you believe, get baptized. Yeah, but then the world will think I'm stupid. Yeah, the world already thinks you're stupid. Okay? You're trusting in Jesus. The world is not putting you in the uh, intellectual category there. Okay? And um, uh, we should evangelize, lead people to Christ, baptize converts, Teach apostolic doctrine, the teachings of the apostles. The day that I or the leadership of Trinity Bible Fellowship stop preaching the word of God, go find another church. Okay? Any church that does not preach the word of God in a bold, uncompromising way is not a true biblical church. Okay? And so the apostles' teachings, we I'm not going to, there, there are groups that call themselves Christians that teach the antithesis of, of what the Bible says is true, they say is false. What the Bible says is good, they say is evil. And you can go to those. Churches. I'm thinking right now of a church on Perry Avenue, Unitarian Universalist. And um, if you hate true biblical Christianity, that's the place to go to church. Okay? And um, no, when you cease to teach what the apostles taught, you cease to be a church. And then fellowship. The word in the Greek is koinonia. Uh Koine Greek, common Greek. The word koinonia is based on the word common. We share what we have in common. We should have closer fellowship. I'm a Raider fan. I think we got at least one no two more Raider fans. Look at it. We got three. three. All right, good deal. We're we're growing. Kind of, we we're we're, we're 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 growing. There's more Different kinds of conversions that are going on here. But, um, but the closeness that I feel with Raider fans who are believers should be nowhere near sharing our common faith in Jesus. Okay? And, uh, but how many times we go to work and one guy doesn't like the Seahawks and you, you're a closer friend with all your buddies at work who like the Seahawks than you are with the only other believer. You don't even fellowship with him because I guess, maybe, I guess Jesus isn't on your priority list. Okay, The Seahawks can be part of your life. The Raiders can be part of your life. Jesus wants to be your life. Big, big difference. And so we fellowship. And then when breaking of bread, this is both celebrating the Lord's Supper, celebrating the Lord's Supper, but also common meals. So like we're going to have potluck And uh, after the service, we keep the potlucks. The church has learned over 2,000 years. At least we learned something. Keep the potlucks and the Lord's Supper separate. The early church kept blending them together. So Paul had to say, look, look, guys. They called them agape love feast. Love, you know, these big love feasts, potlucks. But they also celebrated the Lord's Supper. So some guys were trying to get as much bread and as much wine as they could get. And Paul was like, what are you doing? You're receiving the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner and, um, um, and bringing judgment upon yourself. But we've got to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do it monthly here. Share common meals. Uh, as the economy gets worse and worse, those common meals are going to become more needed and more often. Prayer. Show me a church that doesn't pray and I'll show you a false church. We've got to rely on spiritual power. Power uh, to save and to transform lives. The power of the Holy Spirit at work with us. Sharing, sharing what we have with others. Okay, um, this is not communism or socialism. Communism or socialism, the government takes what you've earned and distributes it as they please, which means the people don't get hardly anything, only the communist dictators get rich. Socialism is not a good word. This is people in a free economy prospering and choosing to share what they have with others. Okay? You can't, it's impossible to share in a socialistic or communist uh, society because you don't have anything. The government owns it all. Right now, the government in this country thinks they own your money, they think they own your health care. And right now they even think they know your—they own your kids. So they teach critical race theory to your kids whether you like it or not. No, no. God appointed the parents to be in charge of the kids. Uh, not the government, but sharing. Uh, large and small group meetings. They would meet in one of the porches in the temple which thousands of people could meet, but they also met house to house. I hope our Bible studies in the homes don't stop because now we have a church building. We need the large and small group meetings. Uh, they worship God with joy and simplicity. They were sincere, they were truthful, and we need to learn to love the little things of life. You know, I used to, growing up, I used to think, that's so boring watching all these retired military guys. They go out to eat breakfast together, and they're they all retired, and they're just shooting the breeze, and I thought... Man, that is so boring, man, what life isn't even worth living. It's like that. now I'm working hard, two jobs. I'm like, man, that's the life there, you know? But, um, but what they've learned, after you know 50, 60, 70 years of hard work, they learned to appreciate the little things of life. I always like having a cup of coffee and just sit down on the couch, and I said, man, I'm, I feel like a rich man right now. You know I get in that one comfortable chair, you know and uh, uh, but that that simplicity, um, it's so hard in America. Third world countries they, they have that joy and that simplicity. and then praising God, we've got to worship God and praise Him with everything we got, not just when we gather together. And then having a good reputation, both, both with those inside the church and those who are outside the church. And, um, and then spiritual fruit growing. At the very least, we need to grow spiritually ourselves. The day's going to come when nobody's going to be open to the gospel. That's when Jesus comes back. That day hasn't come yet. So there's people in our community that need Jesus. So we ought to grow not just individually, but if people are open to the gospel and we lead them to Christ and we feel led to invite them here and baptize them, we ought to grow uh, in numbers as well. Now, it's not about numbers. We could probably add quite a few more people if we start preaching a politically correct gospel. No. We preach Jesus. You know, Jesus had 5,012 people, and he realized 5,000 of them were following him for the wrong reason, because he, f- he filled their bellies. So he preached a message that was disgusting to him. you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood to receive eternal life. 5,000 of them left. Jesus would rather have a church of 12 who are following him for the right reasons, even if one of them is a traitor, than a church of 5,012 where most of them are following Jesus for the wrong reasons. And um, so whatever the case, we're not about numbers. We're about preaching Jesus and serving Jesus. In conclusion, um, I even woke up this morning feeling like, wow, we've arrived, okay? We haven't arrived. This is not our final destination or our final goal, okay? We're citizens of heaven. This is not our final destination. This is a start, a fresh new start. After 33 years, a fresh new start. And so may we use our spiritual gifts to serve King Jesus until he returns In glory, may we dedicate this building to our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we just love you, Lord, and um, we thank you so much for this building. But we pray that, uh, that you will empower us and give us the wisdom to use this building for your glory not for our own glory that we would uh, use this building as a vehicle through which we could serve you and through the power of the Holy Spirit and for your glory build uh, your kingdom God you are good you have been faithful to us and now you've blessed us Uh, may we use this blessing to worship you to put you first, and to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Alright, God bless you everybody.